0: Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Rise Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Austin Ye and Mayu. What's going on, everybody? Recording this the Thursday morning that we should have released it by now, but <laughs> it happens, man. It happens and it happens very frequently. For <laughs> sure. We need some better systems in here. yeah. I would just say our schedules are just very busy. Yeah. We don't, we, we pencil this in on a Sunday morning, which yeah, we, yeah, we never do. <laughs> Who wants to ever do something like this on a Sunday morning, right? Yeah. Um, that's kind of our time to spend with our significant other. But um, yeah, we're, we're getting to this now and hopefully the episode releases right after this. Austin,
1: awesome. how's the last week been going, man?
0: Last week has been pretty good. Um, so I am prepping to go on vacation to Ban. Um, On Saturday. And so, a lot of what I'm doing now is just doing some video training. I've been uh, recording some videos to pass on to my team members and allocating work. Um, We've been, one thing that we're struggling on right now is um, contractors down in the Sudbury area. So, if anyone knows any good contractors who's able to get started on work ASAP, do let me know. We have a couple of projects going on now. So, we sent over some contractors in uh the toronto base to sadbury book them airbnb and all of that yeah. but then i have another project and they were like "Fuck no we're not touching that because it's too much work for someone who's not local in the area and doesn't have the connections right yeah yeah they just said make sure they just said hire someone local here um but yeah that's okay. <laughs> that's I'm basically going to that <laughs> yeah, that's basically my biggest trouble right now because it's private money so obviously it's costing a pretty penny. Yeah, um, There's good upside on it. Obviously, we turned around five of the eight units, but now it's just a matter of getting the work started and getting it completed quickly because we yeah. always mention this private money is expensive. Um, but that's on my plate right now. And uh, how about how about you, man? How is everything on your end? It's Good, man. It's good. The, the, this
1: week's been a lot of like mortgage stuff, I think, more than anything in terms of like how much time I spent. We're done like the Chelsea project. a couple like cosmetic exterior work that we're doing usually I'm not a big fan of doing exterior work. I love selling a property in the winter. Cause like, then you just don't have to worry about it. But this one, like the guy that sold it, like he essentially backed his car into the garage and he hit like the bricks beside it. Right. So it's like, okay, you can't ignore that. Like we have to do this like exterior work, but whatever. So we're getting that done now. That one, hopefully will be listed in about two weeks and, uh, yeah, go from there, man. And I think, um, in terms of projects, like everything's just kind of running. Like it's like, I've, I'm pretty like removed from the real estate world. It's kind of weird when I say like that, but um, I don't know, got it got, got an itch to like buy something in the next couple of weeks, but we'll see how I act. Like, I, I don't really know. The market's kind of all over the place. It's, it's tough to like say what ARV is, right. It's like, uh, you can't rely on the same appreciation that we've had in the last like two weeks. Right. So like ARV has got to be sensitized a little bit in my opinion, but um, I know there's a lot of people that are continuously, you know, buying some good shit. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. And of, of course, it's hard to find deals now as well, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. when you're paying for deals, like it's not like it's significantly discounted. Um, but ARV is somewhat somewhat it could be discounted, right? Like it could go down a bit, but your prices don't always reflect that as well. So it is a tricky yeah. time. Have you guys I, found I'm I'm just curious now, in the wholesaling world. Have you found that your cost of acquisition or cost of
1: cost of lead, I guess, or like whatever whatever kind of metric you call that? You find that that's gone up a little bit in
0: the last... like Yeah. I mean, it's been ago. continuously... I think over the last couple of uh, years, it's been continuously going up. And it does continue to go up because not only is are people more aware the market's hot, Um, that's one thing, of course, but now it's just more competition in general. And you have more and more wholesalers coming in. And by nature, that just means uh, cost, cost per lead is going to go up, right? Um, you're competing against a lot more people um sometimes they might not just call you cuz they have maybe 10 flyers and they call 5 of the companies whatever the case is it is getting more expensive dispo is uh, still happening getting a bit more difficult um to be honest with you however like good deals still move like we yeah. and I was telling you this earlier offline we sold a deal site unseen um within 3 hours and had 12 registered site unseen clean offers right? The, the Guelph one. This is the Guelph one. You oh, messaged yeah, me yeah, at yeah, 8 a.m. Yeah. the next day <laughs> and we sent it out at 5 p.m. the day before, right? And I'd already told you it was sold, but <laughs> so a great deal. Still move quickly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're a buyer, there is opportunity out there now. I guess we'll just jump into today's guest today. We have Janaid, and uh, Janaid's doing a little bit of everything. He's only 23 years old and has been investing less than two years. Um, dropped out of university and now doing incredible things from wholesaling and being a successful wholesaler into now even exploring development projects, multifamily projects, million dollar flips. I mean, this guy is 23 and he's, he's doing things that um, I've just started um, breaking into as well. And I've been in the real estate game longer. Um, super inspirational story. He's not a guy who's afraid to invest in himself and take action. If you are a young and motivated investor, you need to check out for this episode because Janae did not have a lot of money starting off. He dropped out of university to make this dream happen and he is accomplishing great things. So make sure you tune into this. And also, um, I I should mention this now, but like, subscribe, comment to this podcast. Um, We're at 85 reviews. We want to get to 100 over the next three months. Enjoy this episode, everyone. Hello, everyone. We are joined with our very special guest, Janae. Janae, how's everything going, man?
2: Everything is going very, very well. Um, Mayu and Brian and Austin, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm very excited.
1: For sure, man. Junaid, you're a name that we've seen uh, across multiple platforms, but never had the opportunity to connect with you. So, so grateful for the podcast for bringing us all together here. Junaid, you're probably one of the like, you're a pretty mysterious guy. Like, <laughs> I just see all these different like achievements that you're doing, but uh, why don't you give everyone a quick kind of background on, on how you got started and, and what you're doing
2: today? So right now, um, I am 23 year old real estate investor. I'm currently you say 23, 23, yeah. Holy shit! I didn't know that. Okay. (laughs) Um. So right now, I am doing this full time. Um. Currently running two businesses in real estate. Um. One of them being joint venture, and the other being wholesaling. Um. You know, my journey has started a a long time ago. Um. I would say not too long, because I've been in the game for around a year and a half to two years. But yeah. That's a little summary of uh, my current projects because most of my deals currently I'm working on are in Niagara Falls. I am working on a few flips in bigger markets like Oakville, Mississauga. Um, but a lot of my birds I would say is in the Niagara region.
0: You come a long way, um, from in just a year and a half to two years, right? Like you have a bunch of rental units, you're doing flipping you're wholesaling. How does what, like, I want to hear the beginning, like the origin story, right? Because you're. You're doing what I'm doing, but it took me three years to get there and you did it in half the time spent, right? Um, So let's dig into kind of your early journey before you got started into real estate and let us know what was the deciding factor that got you started into investing.
2: So I will start from the very beginning. I'm originally from Pakistan, came here in 2009. When I first arrived, you know, we lived in an apartment building like anyone else. And, you know, five years in, we decided to buy a, a small, you know, townhouse in Toronto. But I think that's when one of our stuff shifted because, um, the mortgage broker we were using for that property, you know, found out that we were a little new and took advantage of us. Um, so we ended up not having the house that we were buying and we lost our apartment as well. So we were completely standard, right? At that point, I remember my parents were being very sad and it made me really mad because there was nothing I could really do to help the situation. But luckily, one of my mom's friend has a house in the area, and she was on vacation, so we were able to live there until uh, we found our, a new house. But the way I, the way I look at things is like you know everything happens for a reason, and I'm very thankful, you know, because that was a very growth for me and my family because we ended up finding a, an amazing home in Mississauga, detached two car garage. The funny story was that's who, that was actually a motivated seller who was looking to sell because he was actually based out of America. And he already he, he sold the property to someone, but two, two weeks before closing, the pipe burst on the second floor washroom and the property was flooded and the new buyer ended up backing out. So we were able to pick that house up. And, uh, and yeah, so that's how I shifted to Mississauga. That's where we moved. And I attended like all of my high school in Mississauga and went to George Brown College to study construction engineering where I got my advanced diploma. Um uh, during that time, you know, I would say the entrepreneurship started to come out of me because my dad was also he used to own businesses in Pakistan. And when he arrived here, you know, he worked under someone for about a year and start, started his own business in Toronto for luggages and cell phones. And uh, I would say that's where a lot of my entrepreneurship came out of as well, because I would take things from a store and put it on, on Facebook, on Kijiji. And at that time, when I wasn't working, I would be selling like I've sold anything from Jeans, shoes, watches, glasses, anything you can name of that I probably sold. And I was making, uh, I was making a lot more money when I went into, uh, I was selling, you know, Louis Vuitton, Gucci as well. But uh, that's when, you know, through my college, that's how I stay afloat. But when I, um, after I graduated, I went in for a job interview for a construction company called Duran. They do a lot of um, city of Toronto projects like Subway and also hockey arenas they build from scratch up. I went in there to get a labor job, but I was able to convince the actually the interviewer to give me a chance as a site super uh, because that was my field of studies, and I told them how I can benefit them you know in their business and in their company as a whole. But I worked there for around eight eight months, I would say, very excited though, very excited when I first joined in because um uh, I was working in a position where a lot of people you know my age would want to work in, but eight months in, I just did not like it at all. um it was a lot of stress um. Not really, you know, did not really align with what I wanted, you know, in life. So I ended up leaving the job in eight months and uh, went to McMaster University to get civil engineering degree. One semester in, I also hated that as well. A lot of knowledge in there, a lot of uh, information in there, which I thought it was it was not necessary for me to know. And for me, that's when I got into really big on personal development. Um, I would be reading books. I would be meditation. I had a whole morning uh, routine set up for me. And I would say that's when my mindset really shifted because I would wake up, I would wake up very early, uh, meditate, read a book, visualize affirmation, and then work out. And that's how I would start every single day. And in my opinion, that was very powerful for me because when I started my day, I started with such positivity that I just envisioned for the next day as well, right? So I was there, um, did not like it at all. One semester in, um, back of my head, I just wanted to really quit and just, you know, figure figure things out as I went. But I still remember this day because uh, I, so it was on January 6, 2020, I was coming home from uh, my physics class. Uh, and when I, when I got home, you know, I used to live in a small bedroom beside the university. And when I got home, I remember I signed up for some webinar online about real estate and I got home and I believe it was only 10 minutes left of the webinar. And when I joined in, all you could hear was someone, Hey, you know what? If you want to learn more about the real estate, press this. For me, I was like, you know what? Sure, um, they were giving free trial for uh, real estate education. I joined in. When I joined in, uh, it was phenomenal because uh, I was I was so in love with the concept of real estate and, and seeing what other people are are doing in it. Because when I was doing personal development, the only thing missing from my life was what vehicle can I use to accomplish my goals? And I saw real estate as a, as a vehicle when I was when I came across it, and. For me, I I made moves on it really fast. For me, the way, like my mindset at that time was, um, you either go all in or you either you either take the fall, right? And so I remember within the next two weeks they had some in person workshop, um, you know, coming up. And for me, I was I was a student, so I had, I did not have a lot of money. I had like two thousand dollars in my account, and I and I had like a four thousand dollar worth of OSAP uh, for tuition. They had this event, I believe, for three thousand um, dollars. It was a two three day event. And for me, I I, I started thinking, I'm like, you know what? There's a reason I came across real estate. So I might as well just go all in because when I do that, I'm going to hold myself accountable because I have now spent my money into a field, right? So I'll take it more seriously. So I ended up paying that, went to the meetup, met a lot of great people. Um, I would say that my circle really grew. And and the people I hang out with now, it's like I met one person, he introduced me to this person, introduced me to this person that I will say even, you know, um, on my ongoing story. After that, I started wholesaling because I did not have a lot of money or was able to qualify for a mortgage. And I was slowly going, slowly, like learning as I went, did some smaller deals. But for me, I, I still wasn't really an expert. So I wanted, I, I wanted someone's help to kind of help me elevate, you know, in, in the real estate field. And the way I thought about that was, you know, either I can do it myself, um, you know, learn as I go, or I can shorten that timeline, pay someone to teach me just so I can elevate and grow a lot faster. So I met a coach and I met him through someone I met on that first bootcamp who introduced me to another person and they introduced me to this coach. Um, Mm -hmm. He was having like a in-person coaching and I went there. um, I paid another $2,000 to learn more about wholesaling. After that, I did wholesaling for a couple of months and still i just thought there was a lot of knowledge gap in wholesaling because i wanted to be the best at, at wholesaling and i just thought there was a lot of things that i was missing um which can you know help me so after that i went uh, to the same person um uh, i told him that i'm looking for one on one coaching um you know is that something you know you be interested in because i i wanted someone who can help me with wholesaling and also real estate in general and for me i had great experience with spending money because every time i spend money i met someone or it opened my mind to a a new concept of knowledge. So, and then after that, I spoke with him and he told me that in order for him to teach me, he's going to have to charge me 15K. For me, if that was old me, I would look at that. I would be like, no, you know what? It's not worth it. But for me, it was, you know, either I learned from someone because knowledge is, you know, no one can take away from me, right? Money will come and go, but knowledge is, you know, someone that cannot take, and no one can take it away from me. I'll be with it for a lifetime. So it's crazy how I came up with that capital because at that time, COVID recently started and I know the the government had served money coming in. So I was able to pay $2,000 from the CERB money and I ended up opening five different credit cards. Um, oh, wow. The- <laughs> at that point, you
1: were making money on the wholesaling side too, right? Or no? Very little. Very, very little. Okay. okay.
0: I
2: was kind of like a bird dog for some people. Yeah, yeah.
0: Man, one thing that I love uh, about your story is, is that and I, and I think you did mention it, um, is is that you just go all in and it's true. Like when you find out that you don't like something, you've taken the risk to realize that I'm not going to do something I don't like forever and you just quit your job. You're like, I'm going back to school. It's like, fuck school. Like, it's not what I want to do. I'm going to quit this. Uh, OK, let me try real estate. You were there for 10 minutes, <laughs> really 10 minutes. You're like, fuck it. I'll spend three thousand dollars. And you just spent more and more. And as a result, that's gotten you where you are today, right? Like you took the, for lack of better words, you took the shortcuts needed to, to, to get to um, where you are today, whereas most people wouldn't do so. So yeah. huge kudos to you for um, taking all those right steps. Yeah, you, you paid you pay essentially to compress time, right? Which early on when I was you know, introducing
1: you as well, it's kind of like, like your rate of growth has been exceptional. Right. And to hear that's been like really a year and a half that I guess since January, 2020, yeah, a year and a half you've done what a lot of people take like four or five years to do. Right. So that's awesome. Um, so, so look, man, so, so you, so you were doing a little bit of bird dogging, you signed up for the coaching program. Um, what
2: did you do after that? Like what really came next? Yeah. So, so after that coaching, um, one and a half month in, um, I was able to make 30 K on my first official, like a wholesale deal. Nice, Um, And that really opened my mind because I took a lot of things from that coaching and I still use it to this day. Right. And it it was a massive eye opening for me because, uh, for me, like my mentality was whenever I make a decision, I write down on a paper. So this is a decision and what's the worst thing that can happen. What's the best thing that can happen. When I wrote the 15 K, like for me, I had to write that down before I pay somebody because I was so confused that is that something, you know, I want to do. I wrote down, you know, the best case scenario, I'm built, uh, you know, a, a nice commercial enterprise business that will be generating me a lot more income. The worst case scenario, I'll be walking away with the, with a lot of knowledge and maybe some experience, right? So that was a massive step I took, but and I'm so glad that I did because that was my exponential growth in in the field. And after that, it just started to, you know, roll roll the ball, right? So after that, I did a few wholesale deals. Um, for me, I wanted to also get into, um, you know, joint venture or just generally buying properties, but I had no money or the mortgage qualification. So for me, I had to first learn about, you know, how to manage a property. So I was able to uh, leverage my coach's experience and have him part of the deal. And I raised my first capital from someone I met in the first, uh, first boot camp, the first okay. boot camp I had yeah. to. So I had him um, invest with me on a deal. And I had my coach also on board with, with that as well because I would not want to raise someone's money, especially when I'm new. So that deal worked out very good because it was just slightly before COVID. Uh, we ha- we bought uh, a single family home for 170k and turned it into a duplex. Whereabouts? In uh in Windsor. It was on um, Nice. Yeah, it it was it was right beside the uh, Windsor University.
0: Okay. Wow. Yeah, I don't know much- <laughs> That's a good price, man. 170K nearby yeah. <laughs> Windsor University. Nice. Okay. <laughs> So this is like really a one-on-one of of how we got started, right? So when you were mentioning that you did a couple of wholesale deals, you didn't have a lot of money. You already invested a ton in coaching. Like what were you doing to get these wholesale deals? Were you spending money on marketing or were you doing like door to door and things of that nature? Um, I
2: was going door to door,
0: putting flyers, uh,
2: talking to people. For me, I always have a backup in like, if let's say I'm struggling, I will find product and I will sell them online. And I've done that so much in the past that now it's like, I know what people look for. I know how to market products. So every time I was like, you know, I don't have enough money. And the best part was served was I was getting served money as well. Right. We were at a critical where I I leveraged on that capital and started spending all my energy in real estate just to stay afloat. So that really helped me as well. And then after that, you know, I started focusing on building my, my joint venture business, my, my wholesaling business as a whole. But I think one of the biggest component was my parents as well. Because when they saw me dropped out of uh, university, they were not happy about it. At all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. yeah, I can imagine, man, because at
1: that point you left a, a day job and then you went back to university and you probably sold them on your merit of, hey, I'm going to university. Don't worry, it's fine. And then you drop out of university and they're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but look, this is what I want to ask you. So you started in January 2020. You bought your first property in, I guess, like May-ish timeline of 2020. And you wanted to JV, right? But you had a, a total of four or five months of experience. How do you like a, a, attract or convince someone to invest with you? Is it, is it just a deal? Like, did you just get a really good deal? And therefore, like, if you get a really good deal of shit, like
0: anyone to fund it. Right. So very yeah, good no, I, question. Cause it's your first property too. Yeah.
2: So, so the way I approached this, this partner was like, I was very transparent that, you know, I don't have a lot of experience uh, and deal played also in a, a massive component as well because 173k for a single family home is it's very low. But my biggest leverage was that hey, listen, I don't have any experience, but I'm bringing somebody on board who's going to be managing the property with me, and he has like 10-15 years worth of experience, mm. right? And I was able to create like a proper clear plan of execution, exit strategies, and and yeah, so I was able to kind of envision an image for him that, you know, this property in the worst case scenario, will still be making money on. And because we have somebody way more experienced than me on board, it's going to be very smooth because yeah. he's done it many times.
1: Cool. So that was your first one. I'm sure that one worked out really well. We can dive into the numbers after that, but where'd you go after as well? Like, well, what did you do next? So the first one's May 2020 and your rate of growth has been exceptional. So
2: I want, I want to get into the later stages as well. Yeah. For me, I actually started accelerating um, end of the year. Uh, okay. Like that's when like I just accelerated. I started like raising a lot more money, uh, doing a lot of assignments. Cause after that I was doing like a lot of assignments. I was building like a team of team of wholesalers and you know, doing assignments here and there. I've done, you know, I've I've done around like I would say in total around like 12, 12 wholesale deals um but a lot of my wholesale deals were going through um my network I would say like I would have conversation with buyers personally and see what they're looking for and anything any deal I got I would just call them up and be like I have this deal is that something you'll be interested in and like that I just kept building more relationships but after that I started seeing a niche where there was a lot of people with capital but they just didn't know what to do with that capital so I started networking with a lot of people I started like, I, I think the biggest thing when I'm raising money is, is because I've spent so much money on my education, I spent so much money on, on, you know, doing, doing the, doing the thing. It, it really helped me in, in that sense.
1: Right. In terms of being confident to raise the capital. Right. Exactly. Yeah. what
0: well, were common kickbacks uh, you got um, when trying to raise capital the first couple of times? Because. Um, I know that for myself and Mayu, when we were first trying to raise capital, we were just very nervous when people asked questions and and we didn't know the answer to it. Uh, It was tough for us to say, we don't know, right? Um, Especially if you're seen as the expert. So um, when you were raising capital the first couple of times, what were some common pushbacks you got and how did you address them?
2: Right. Um, So... For me, uh, I was so, so what I would do is I would just network with people. I would just let them know this is my business model and this is what I do, right? This is what I'm trying to do as well. And on the conversation, people would know that this is the guy that takes people's money and invests in real estate. When I first started out over a call or even just in person, you know, they're like, why should we trust you, you know, with our money? for me the way i i look at it is i'm like you're not really trusting me with the money you're trusting the deal right you want a good operator for the deal so if the deal makes sense and if i can show you that in the worst case scenario this is how much we're going to lose or this is how much we're going to make um you know is that something you know you'll be interested in because for me the way i approached it was i don't have a lot of experience but i have a lot of knowledge right and you know i have people in my team that can you know that i can leverage on and have them help me in, in the deal as well so slowly, by slowly, I started talking to more people. I started reaching out. And when I started building an online presence, that's when started, everything started to explode. Because people would then reach out to me and ask me, hey, you know what? Tell me a little bit about your business model. What, what exactly are you doing? And that started a lot of conversations, I would say. Yeah,
1: for sure. I was just going to add that I, I think in today's world, we all know that, you know, if you give someone a deal that's 170 grand market value is 200, it's really why am I giving you 15K, right? If we're 50-50 partners you're on day zero for doing nothing just by agreeing and take on this deal, you're making 15 grand, right? So, um, you know, now where we are, the world's completely different. It's also, you know, you were very timely, right? Like I think May of 2020, finding capital was probably the biggest challenge because everyone was hold, holding on to their purse strings. No one was putting out cash, you know? And then near the end of 2020 is when everyone just had money because like the housing market blew up. You've got home equity lines like exploding, right? So, so that was very timely of you as well. So you did that first deal back in May. How did you grow? Because like today you're doing like more multifamily, right? Yeah. So what was that like? Quick high level, like what did that look like?
2: For me, I I had to find a niche, right? And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, make mistakes because they're like all over the place. Um, I had to find a niche in in few cities and I had to deep dive and and understand the statistics and the fundamentals of markets, right? For me, I selected the Niagara region, and. For me, like one thing I, I kept doing was spending on education. Um, there's a lot a lot more money I spend on my education, like online talking to people, networking with people. And my my growth aspect was after that. Um, uh, the next deal that I that I that I've done was was a fourplex in uh, in Welland, right. And for me, the way I raised money for that was um, online marketing, right? Online space. One of the things that are that is massively overlooked when raising a capital is online space, right? If you have a reputation online people will reach out to you because I remember the first, so my first partner reached out to me, I remember over a call and I was talking to him. I didn't know he wanted to invest with me, but I was just having a normal conversation with him. He's like, you know, come to my house. I like you. I've seen your videos. I've seen your content online. Come to my house. We'll have a conversation. You know, I'm like, okay, sounds good. I go to his house and you know, he's telling me that when he started out, um, somebody helped him grow into the field. He told me that he sees potential in me. So he's willing to invest with me. Right. And, you know, now it's not a deal. He's investing in me and he knows that I'm new as well. Right. But he knows that I'm going to work my ass off if things go wrong. Right. So it, it was very funny because when I arrived there, he showed me his bank account and everything just to motivate me a little bit more. And with that partner, um, I actually bought my triplex in, uh, in Niagara Falls and he was very happy with that.
0: Cool. Nice. So uh, yeah, I agree with you. social media is super underrated because at the beginning of this podcast, Mayu was like, holy shit, you're 23. Holy shit. You've only invested for 1.5 to two years. Doesn't look like that online, right? Like when yeah. I see your material online, your million dollar flips in Oakville, um, it, it, it looks like you've had years and years and years of experience. And I would definitely trust my money with you. And it's that that's the reality of it, right? You can position yourself as an expert online. Most people who don't even get through the first property they see you do million dollar flips, They're like, holy shit, this guy's like a real life HGTV person, like doing the like yeah. making profit from um from from flipping real estate. So they want to get involved with you some way or another. Um, sorry, Maya, you wanted to ask yeah. something. No, like- no,
1: I was just gonna say that you, you're right that social media is completely like game changer, right, for a lot of people. But I think the way you go about social media is also important, right? I think you've done it right, where like you provide value, right? It's, it's not like you're making. Like bullshit, like reels, you know. Like I don't even know how to like describe that stuff, right? But you're providing value in the videos, and you're educating people, and therefore, like people trust you, and and you build a relationship with them, right? It's always better to have like 500 legit good quality followers than it is to have like 10,000 people that are just like kind of like kicking the can, right? So I think you did really good on social media. That's why I had, I had no idea you were only doing it for a year and a half, and or your age for that matter, right? Um, I, I could tell you pretty young, but still. <laughs> cool
0: <laughs> man. Triplex property that you were talking about, what were the numbers on that deal like? So with that property,
2: it, it was a very funny story. Uh, so so that property was actually on market. They, they listed for 480 and they were holding offer, I believe, for a week. And I went into the second day, I sighed, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I'm like, you know, did I want this because... The zoning on on it was uh, DTC, right? Tourist or or deferred tourist commercial or TC. So it's it's a very very good zoning in Niagara, right? And just going back to when you're focusing on one market, you know when you find a gem, right? So I, this was a gem for me. Uh, for me, so the the way my I was thinking was I can get this, but I don't have any partner right now ready to invest with me, right? I've spoke with them, but none of them was like, you know what, bring me a deal, I'll give you money. So I'm like, you know what, I wrote on the paper, right? Best case scenario. I I find a partner, I get the property, you know, and I hold it, do Airbnb, whatever. Worst case scenario, I lose 10k, right? So I balance, I'm like, you know what? The best case scenario is a lot better than the worst case scenario. So I actually went in there, um, did a walkthrough with my realtor, and they were like, if I was gonna submit a preemptive offer, it has to be firm. So I was able to submit a preemptive offer, a firm offer for 550 with vacant possession. And they said they liked the offer, but they just didn't like that I wanted vacant possession. So they countered me at, back at, okay, 550, but no vacant possession. <laughs> I increased that price to 580, but with vacant possession. I, I didn't know what to do with tenants, right? Because I was very yeah. new. At that point, they're like, you know what? We still like the offer. We still like the number, but we cannot give you a vacant possession. I'm like, you know what? What it is. Okay. So I'm going to, so I submitted another offer, 510, but I'll take the tenants. Funny story, they they actually accepted that offer. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And and the best part was like, so I, I pushed the clothing out three months. Um, I I took it to that person I was telling you, my partner, and I told him that, you know, this is a this is a good deal. But I was so scared, I would say. I was so scared. I'm like, did I make a mistake? Did I did I just did something that I don't know what I did? Right. So I I was very confused. But, you know, he's like, you know what, I'll fund it, you know, looks like a good deal. You know, you have good exits, you have, you know, you, you know, there's a lot of potential with this, right? So on the day of closing, because I pushed the closing out two and a half to three months on the day of closing, every tenant left, everyone left, the whole property. Sick. Was
1: and why, uh, why, nice why guy. did they leave? Right. Because like, like <laughs> what happened there?
2: I'll tell you. So, so this is one of my tactics that I use in, in, when I do a walkthrough on properties, I usually take, uh so I usually take my girl with me um, to the property and we both talk like we were moving in. Right. So in front of tenants, we're like, Hey, you know what? We can wait for, you know, our kids to play in that room. We'll do this. We'll do this. And, you know, we'll convert in single. So when they hear that, I'm not telling them they, th- that we're moving in there, but they hear that they're like, you know what? They're probably moving in here. They're going to kick us out. So we should start looking for places. And that's what happened. I went, so mm-hmm. I knew I was going to get one year because I he knew that I was kind of moving in. Uh, right. But after that, everybody left when I got there. I was so confused that everyone left because I didn't prepare for that. Um, So everyone left, you know, it took me two and a half to three weeks to plan the renovation because I just wanted, I just wanted this to be like perfect and good, right? Like, because this was going to base on, this is, this was going to really like base my reputation in the market to my partners and everyone else. Right. But I would say that this deal I picked up was phenomenal. And now now I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, like it's, 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 it's a really good deal.
0: That's awesome, man. So that strategy that you mentioned earlier, I would say really works primarily if your closing is further out. If it's like a month, most tenants aren't gonna be able to find a place and move out in a month, right? So it was perfect for you because it was two and a half to three months. For a lot of people, that's ample notice to to search for a place. And even just leaving a little bit of doubt in, in their mind to find a place. But nonetheless, so this was a triplex completely vacant. And yeah. was the game plan to Airbnb it, or did you decide to rent it out as is?
2: Right. So, so right now this triplex is currently still in the renovation uh, right now, because I put the clothing out very, like I would say three and a half months, I pushed the clothing out too. So right now we're, we're fully renovating this property. Uh, we're doing full gut. And our plan is the upstairs, we're going to be doing Airbnb. So upstairs is like a three bedroom upstairs uh, with a kitchen and washroom. Downstairs is a one bedroom and an office. We're turning that into a two bedroom. The other unit is it's a one bedroom that we're turning into a two bedroom and a little office space. So Right now, one unit Airbnb, but slowly we're going to be doing turning this whole property into Airbnb because it's like you can you can walk to the uh, the main
0: hub. Yeah, that's one thing I find with Airbnb is that um, your deal has to be better if you want to burr it because your rental quality must be significantly higher than a burr. And that's what I'm facing in, in some of my projects right now where. Mayo and I are used to lipstick renos where it is good, but like it's not the best if you compare relative to Airbnb projects, right? So I'm like, fuck, now I have to get, I have to be willing to spend a lot more money to make things look really nice, but you make that back into cash flow over the long term. Yeah, absolutely.
1: If you leave a little bit of a net investment there with your cash flow so amplified, like you could be talking about a one or max two year payback period, anyways, right? Um, So that's, that's dope, man. So, um, I'm just curious, like where you know, what are you doing today? So that, that triplex was last year,
2: 2020. Um, no, no. So, so that was, so I, I actually started buying properties for myself. Like I would say end of last year, cause uh-huh. I was learning, I was educating and I was doing wholesaling. So right now I have a few products, right? Um, uh, so right now I have, um, the one in uh, Oakville, we bought this for around hundred and hundred and fifteen 115 K. Put in around. Right. Wait, 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 wait. you, you bought, bought
0: a-, a project for a hundred uh, Oakville property for a hundred less than two hundred K? no, 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 uh 800. Oh, 800. Oh, eight hundred. Jesus I Christ, I heard 115k. I was like, bro, I would <laughs> i <I'd> fund that. <laughs> <Cool> <laughs>
1: fuck. Okay, okay. So 800 grand. So, so you when you're when you're buying flip properties like that, are you going conventional financing or you do you find you have to go private? I usually go with private or B lenders. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. So, so, like, I honestly, I've stayed away from like those like 800K price points just because, like, kind 800K private is like, what is that? Like, your monthly bleed must be at least like $6,000 or somewhere, somewhere in that ballpark, right? It's a heavy bleed, but I'm sure the returns are worth it if you're saying 800 grand in Oakville. And then I'm assuming your ARV that you guys are projecting out is well over like a million bucks.
2: So, we were projecting like like a million, 10, million, million, you know, say around a million, 10 because yeah. it was a small townhouse. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we put in around fifty-five k in renovation. Um, you know, we did still all the washing, washing, flooring, everything in there, right? So, and and we recently sold this for nine seventy-five. Okay, it's not bad. Yeah. So, so, still a good, good chunk of profit in there, and so we we got this loan at seven percent, right? So interest only. And like for me, the way I look at it is, if the number makes sense, um, you know, because I, I bought it in a very high desirable neighborhood, so I knew that I would have no problem selling this at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And there's, there's multiple
1: approaches to flipping, right? One is uh, you just do a bunch of flips in a given year. Even if you make like 30, 40 grand per flip, like if you do like 10 of those in a year, shit, that's a, that's a boatload of money, right? So um, that's solid, man. Yes. Yeah, so, so you've got the Oakville flip going on and what else do you got? Say you so,
2: um, so that triplex in, in, uh, on Buchanan, on, in Niagara Falls. Um, so 510, we bought it for, we're putting in around 110K in renovation, full gut, new kitchen, new washroom, everything is going to be in there. Um, We're also doing outside work for that property as well. And I had few realtors that actually walked that property with me. And we're projecting the ARV for this is gonna be around 750 to 850 in between there.
1: Yeah. I think if you're doing a full gut, like it could actually be a little bit higher because some people do cosmetic like lipsticks and then you know they go in for that seven Niagara is like pretty expensive of
2: a market today, right? And even on that street, like there was a little small property that, that was that sold for 650, right? So it's uh so that so that that's one of the products I'm working on currently in a renovation. Um, I bought another one on McRae. Um, it's that's a fourplex. It's also on market, um, and then so I picked that up for five CC three. It's a legal fourplex in Niagara. <laughs> yeah. Preemptive offer, or how did you get that deal? So okay, so that property was listed very high, like six fifty, right? Uh, and that property needed a lot, a lot of work, I would say. First, first when I walked in, I'm like, yeah, there's no way I'm buying this. It needs too much work. But after that, I started negotiating, I started looking at fundamentals on that street. I, I know Niagara very well, right? So I know where the new developments that are coming, which properties are gonna, you know, appreciate in value. So when I saw that, I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's, it's not a it's not a quick six-month bird, maybe it's one year to two-year type of project, right? Where you're gonna seek enough appreciation in that area. And I'm starting to see that now as well, because I pushed the clothing for this property as well. So we mm-hmm. bought it for 563, we're putting in 110K on closing, we had only one vacant possession, three tenants in the property. But now, you know, we're doing cash for keys with these tenants. And, you know, so far it's working very good, I would say. We got one and 11 signed already.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Once you turn around one tenant, even in a multi-unit, that adds a ton of value to your property. So kudos to you. Most people can't even turn around a single uh, tenant in a multi.
1: (laughs) You're doing a lot on market as well. And I think. There's two like types of investors, right? One that just purely buys on market because they don't know how to either source their own deal off market. They just not plugged in with the wholesale deals. Like They just don't know how to analyze it. So they'll buy it on market. And um, you know, so usually they they buy like the very first couple of properties they see. And then there's another type of investor that's, I'm just going to buy everything completely off market. I don't care as long as it's off market. I don't buy on the MLS. I don't like on the MLS, that type of individual, right? But I think the MLS is a great spot for the type of properties that you're buying, right? Where a, it was listed overpriced, right? You're able to get in there and negotiate it down. But like, how many offers on market are you say you're making before you get a successful deal on market?
2: It's going to be a pretty shocking answer. I would say that I only make offers on properties that I think that have potential, right? I don't make a lot of offers. I, I, I show in trust because for me, I'm a very numbers driven guy. I have, a, I have a flow of system that if this is going to be the numbers, it's going to work for me. If these are not the numbers, it's not going to work for me. So verbal, right? But I'm going to start doing putting out more offers because right now, I right now I'm in a stage where I'm kind of building my business before kind of expanding even more. So that's the current process. I mean, but a lot of people overlook on market, right? Yeah. Uh, I have a, I have a team of off market deals, and you know I I I've bought other deals from that as well. But I would say that even on market, there's a lot of opportunities. Uh, it just comes down to speed.
0: And nowadays it is more easier than it has been in the last well-defined on-market deals you see properties that sit there for a while for for months on end and there's nothing fundamentally wrong with them or if there is something wrong with them it might not be too significant it might just be that it's tenanted and now more people don't want to touch tenants because of the entire pandemic and it's harder to get people out um, but there's more opportunity than ever as long as you're confident and uh, as you need would say you have the knowledge and the tools to take on a project like that, and uh, obviously there's there's profits to be made. Yeah,
1: and I think I think in the off market world, and you guys both wholesale, so like you guys probably know way more than me about this stuff. But I've always had the opinion that sellers, like so, there's obviously two types of sellers in the off market. One is going to be a motivated seller, and one is just going to be an individual that wants to sell privately, right? So that individual that just wants to sell privately, I've always been of the opinion that on the off market, they everyone runs on a leg, right? Cause like we see real time inventory, we know what people are like buying at realistically today, but most people, like if you talk to my parents, they're probably gonna tell you a valuation for their house from like three to six months ago, right? And a market that's going upwards super fast, like that's outdated, right? Cause like today's today's value could be completely different from like six months ago. Um, but the, result, the opposite impact today where like, you know, sellers, everyone knows that their house is worth freaking an arm and a leg, right? And so like three months ago, they're, they're stuck in that March to April kind of mindset where like the market is super hot. Everything's going to sell at any price if we put it up on the market, um, which makes buying it off market super hard, but then reality hits them when they go on the market and then there's no offers on offer day because they either price it completely wrong or there's something wrong with their property. And and so there's good opportunity there, right? Um, cool, man, Junaid. So I think, you know, Usually, I really just want to ask you this question. It's kind of like usually the, the question that we ask near the end. But either way, you know, what's your what's your goal? Like, where, where are you going from here? Right, like five years down the road, what are you doing now? Um, where do you see your business evolving to?
2: So for me, like right now, um, as I was saying, I'm trying to build a proper, you know, workflow in my business. Right, um, I want to become like want to like categorize joint venture wholesaling business as well. Um, so raising a lot more money, raising a lot, uh, doing a lot of wholesaling. Right. And then from there, like syndicate a lot of my investors funds into different projects. Right. Another interesting deal that I'm currently working on is, is in Toronto. Um, we're, we're looking at a land it's, it's by bridal path and we're looking uh, at this land for around $3.2 million. So it's around hundred by one ninety, And similarly in that area, there are people that have built, um, you know, eight townhouses on it. Right. So we're projecting on seven just to be a little bit more conservative. And so, you know, based on all my numbers, $3.2 million for a land, is it's it's phenomenal because similar land of that size is it's recently being sold for, one, one, one was sold for $4 million, the other one's selling for $5.5 million. But this is like actually like a, this is like a motivated, a power of sale, um, you know, land. So that's one of the projects that I'm currently working on, right? I'm trying to move into a little bit bigger stuff as well, like developments, smaller developments.
0: Little bit bigger is an understatement. That's in Brattle Path. <laughs> Shout out to Drake's new album, Certified in, Lover Boy. He had that song in, in, the, am in, in North Path. York, like North York Brattle Yeah, yeah, like wow. the fucking place that Drake lives at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man.
2: For me, like I look at things. Uh, if the numbers make sense, uh, I can I can organize a team around that, right? I, I feel like any project is doable if you have the right team and right people in, in your network, right? So that's something I'm looking to move into. Right now, you know, I got two products in, in Niagara that I'm that I'm you know currently finishing off as well. And I bought another one in Port Colbert, creative financing. But you know, long-term goal, you know, create like a big mega mega business, right? Uh, someone I really look up to is uh Grand Cardone. So trying kind to of, kind of flow where he's where he's going with this business to kind of follow, follow that streamline. Well, it's good. You've got to,
1: you've got to end in sight, right? Like a lot of us just kind of grow out our business, really not knowing, you know, what, what is the ideal future state look like? It's It looks like you've got your future state in mind and you know what you want to climb to, especially with like the loan, like not, not loan syndication, but like, um like investor syndication and moving into, I'm assuming probably either, it looks like you're moving to development space, but um, I guess bigger multifamily is also in the horizon for you as well.
2: Yeah, that's, that's my, my end. I would, I would say my end goal for me I don't have like where I'm going to stop. I'm very young so it's like I'll keep going when I'm like you know what this is enough. I have enough, you know, things on my, my on my on my plate so I can just kind of you know retire. But my end goal is automate my whole business where I'm the brand of the face and I'm just growing the business from there. That's,
0: That's cool, awesome, man. man. Yeah. Um second question here is is that if you won 10 million dollars and you had 7 days to spend it, how would you spend it? And it cannot all be on real estate, by the way. I always have to say that. <laughs>
2: Good question. Good question. So I only have seven days?
0: Yeah, you only have seven days. <laughs> I know we, we, we don't mention that to our guests. We tell them, like when we email them, we just say 10 million. I know, I was so confused. <laughs> but now we got to add the seven days and kind of mix it up.
2: Uh, for me, I would, I would, first of all, I would spend a million dollars on my business, grow my business, try to grow as much as I can in seven days, spend another 500K on my, on my education. I, I would go learn from anyone who's killing the game and learn from them right uh spend 500k you know with my family you know get them like send them on a trip because i feel like you know we will be working too hard lately and you know they want a peace of mind as well so you know going on vacation with them for me i didn't know seven days because my plan was also to privately lend a lot of my money and also i also donate um to a lot of developing com- uh, countries as well and i would say that that's another fact that a lot of people overlook um, donation right I would say that, you know, when you're when you're running a business and you are syndicating some of your funds towards donation, the way I look at it, a lot of it, you know, comes back in a very positive way. And I, I have spoken with a lot of a lot of successful investors and they have told me the same thing. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot of money, certain amount from your money every single, you know, every single transaction and give a give and give out, I would say, to to less fortunate. That's an that's interesting trend thought.
1: So um the last question for you is if you could have dinner from dinner with anyone, dead
2: or alive, who would you choose and why? Ooh, um Grand Cardone, I would say. Uh I, I want to meet him. I want to see his vision. I want to see how how he's running his business. Um, because I, I feel like you know, we have the same sort of model. Um and you know, that's what a type of skill that I also want to get into, um, get to as well. So, you know, I would love meeting him and you know, an exchanging conversation with him. Never know, one day. <laughs>
0: Doesn't sound like you're too far off, man. Build that uh, sounds like you're getting into bigger projects. I would say projects that uh, would, would would rival against Grant Cardone. Like bridal path is no joke, man. If you build seven, eight townhouses there, fuck. I've never <laughs> seen that. I never spoke to an investor who's done that. So that's awesome, man. Um, anyways, Junaid, I appreciate you coming on here. You are an extremely motivated individual, and it's phenomenal to think of the things you can do at 23 years old. At 23, I just graduated university and was just about to start my full time job. And at 23, you already have two businesses that you're operating, plans to grow, and and create multi million dollar um revenue streams. So huge kudos to you, man. Uh, and and I know that your life wasn't handed easy, but you took you you dealt with the cards that you were dealt with. You you took your hand and you were still able to play. Um, you're still able to play poker with it and, and get a, a full house. So, so that's awesome, dude. Um, we're going to have you on in future podcasts. But in the meantime, if anyone wants to reach out to you and discuss some, any of the major projects that you have going on, how could they do so?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so they can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's Junaid Javed JJ. Same on Facebook, same on YouTube. Uh, I do a lot of YouTube content as well, create a lot of videos. Um, so they can find me on on Instagram, Facebook or or YouTube. I would say. That's
0: awesome, man. So all of your uh, social contact information, it will be in the show notes below. So don't feel shy, guys. Feel free to reach out to Junaid. Um, He's a super willing and helpful uh, individual. And um, yeah, until next time, everyone, make sure to invest smarter and live better. Take care.